They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We are so excited to have you here today on our show, Power to Grow. I have a special guest for you, and you guys are going to love her story. She has such an amazing story about her son and some things that she dealt with, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute, but let me introduce our guest. Her name is Leah Ravilato. Leah has dealt with allergies with her son. She dealt with this when he was six months old and he has six allergies, I believe. He has eight food allergies and then um, three, four others. He's allergic to latex, to penicillin, to dogs, cats, and goats, believe it or not. Oh my goodness. So Um, he's got a whole lot. So you have dealt with a lot having to go through that. So she has a master's in psychology and she is now working nationwide to change the school systems and how they deal with kids with these allergies. And so Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for being willing to share your story about this. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to join you um, and share my story and help anyone who can, you know, hear my voice and give a little hope. It's always great to give hope and spread kindness. I agree. So why don't you start with your son and just share with us, you know, how did that start? You said he was six months old when you found this out. Yeah. So like many families, we became parents through adoption. And so when our son came home, he was six months old. We had known from his birth parents that he was allergic to milk and he had very severe eczema at the time, so severe that he had um, open sores on his arms and his joints. And, you know, like other six months old children, he had teeth. Um, so we, you know, you don't know what you're, you know, what age child you're getting when you're adopting. We just, we we're pretty like open. We just wanted a baby. You know, we we're like, 10 fingers, 10 toes, breathing. That was pretty much our standard. Because unfortunately, a year before that, we had lost twin sons after many years of infertility. So our hearts were pretty fragile. Yeah. And we just wanted a baby. We just wanted to be parents. Um, so we bought this amazing little boy home. We were so excited. We were fortunate my husband was home at that time. And I was able to be home. And I gave him smushed up avocado. Because he was six months old. And within seconds, he turned bright red. He vomited and stopped breathing. With oh, my goodness. And, you know, panicking. It's kind of a blur right now. Like, years later, I don't remember exactly what happened. Other than just watching him slump over. I apparently screamed for my husband, who was, you know, like five feet away. He could see it, too. He called 911. And thankfully... An ambulance happened to be around the corner. They were literally putting their ring and fork to get lunch. And they heard the call come through the radio that a child had stopped breathing. 
you know, literally around the corner from, you know, they put in gear, flew to our house. They were there in less than a minute, administered epinephrine, which is the only drug that stops an anaphylactic reaction. And my son took a breath. I've never been so happy in my life, (laughs) terrified at the same time. He then vomited again, like the exorcist. Oh my. Like everything he'd ever eaten in his whole life all over me. <laughs> and thank God these two giant burly men who rescued our son and were so blessed and thankful and privileged to have such great service where we were living that they rushed in, swooped him up. Like, I think they just threw me in the ambulance. I don't think my feet touched the ground. And they rushed us to, at the time we were living in Houston, Texas, we got to the med center where he was he was given, you know, drugs and testing. We were there for about two weeks because once we got there, we found out he was very, very sick. He had quite a few allergies. He had asthma. He had osteoporosis. Um, he had some issues with his esophagus. Um, and, you know, it's just, we didn't know. I don't remember you any warning about this when you get him. It's just, no, go and you can figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like any other parent. I remember you know, putting me in the car and looking at the, um, our adoption consultant who was just wonderful. And we still talk to her today. I said, well, what do we do now? He was like, go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Jacob home. Like, you no, know, it is. Parenting is kind of like that. Especially your first baby. You really don't know how to take care of this baby. I remember when my mom left, same kind of thing. It's like, <gasps> what do you do? And we got a phone call and four hours later, we were parents. There was no time for like my mom to come. You know, my parents lived across the country. And at the time my mother had just fallen and she had osteoporosis, I guess still has, and had shattered her arm. So there was no one like running in to rescue us. And we just took him home. Thankfully, we had an amazing tribe of friends who, by the time we got home, um, because we adopted him about four hours away from where we lived, they had filled our kitchen. They basically broke into our house. Uh, <laughs> we had filled our kitchen with bottles and clothes and diapers. And we had someone's crib and, you know, just, we were just so loved on and by our friends that, you know, we didn't want for anything. But then I found myself sitting in the ER with a nurse asking me about his history. And they didn't grab the adoption papers because my kid was not breathing. Right. saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I was crying and I was hysterical. And she finally said to me, honey, why don't you know? I said, he's, we just got him three days ago and I already broke him. She was like, what? Like, <laughs> I left the adoption papers, but you know, I promise he's mine. And like, no one was questioning that he was my kid, just that I was, had no idea what I was talking about. And mm. so that wonderful nurse whose name I don't know, and I should probably find out someday, went over and she explained to all the doctors that you know, he was newly adopted and that we were doing the best we could. And so basically there's no history and run every test and let's get this kid together. And so they really worked together. We had one of the leading allergy and immunologists in the country. She's now the head of Texas Children's Immunology Department and really saved his life and not to mention ours. But that was just the beginning of living with a child with a chronic illness. So those moments of stress and trauma sort of build. And that's what I really like to remind my clients or when I do these interviews is that 
you have to rec- recognize as a family, this is trauma, not just on your child. It's actually the easiest person dealing with it is the person who's the patient. Because a lot of times, especially when they're babies, they don't remember, or if they're unconscious, they don't remember. It's the parents who are dealing with watching the pain of their child. Because as any parent, as you I'm sure know, the second your child's in pain, you would do anything to take it away. And you can't. Mm -hmm. So now what do you do at this point? So here you are, you have this specialist to give you some idea that he has probably more than one allergy that you have to be aware of. So now what do you do? So we walked away with a list of allergies um, and, you know, they said, don't give them this. Um, and we had this very expensive formula at that time. I remember it was a hundred dollars a can. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a hundred dollars a can. And we are not the type of people who can just like spend a hundred dollars a can. And I had a fight with our insurance, which is another just exhausted level of dealing with all of this is the paperwork and keeping up with the doctors and making sure you're seeing the right doctor or the, you know, enough doctors or getting the second opinion. So basically I walked out with a piece of paper of like, avoid all these foods and give your kid this. It's not enough. Years later, I, you know, I was working as vice president of marketing for a financial firm. My husband was working in oil and gas. Um, he's an engineer and I was so stressed out. Um, probably like a lot of your listeners juggling the mom thing. At that time, we also had adopted his full biological sibling, our younger son, who's two years old, younger, who thankfully is completely healthy, has no allergies, no nothing. He does roll his eyes quite a bit, negotiates literally everything. (laughs) (laughs) Normal child. Yes, like a normal child. He's now eight. My kids are eight and 10. But at the time, my oldest was in first grade and I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. I weighed maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. I was living on coffee and wine when it was socially acceptable. And I wasn't taking care of myself. I was taking care of my children and I was trying to show up as a wife and a friend. And I probably wasn't doing a good job of either one of those. I was the first female executive at this company and I was trying to be, you know, the best and the brightest and really show up. And so when I wasn't at work, I was worried about work. When I was at home, I was trying to focus on my children, but still worried. Then when I was at work, I was worried about my children. And it just was this never ending cycle of stress. And then one day I got a phone call that my son was in an ambulance. His teacher had cross-contaminated something. It was truly an accident. Accidents do happen. I've done them myself. And I just ran out of a meeting. And trailing behind me, one of my colleagues said, oh, another mom vacation. Like, ooh, yeah, it was not a vacation. It was three days. My son being in intensive care of him having round after round of epinephrine to keep him alive. Not a vacation. What was the cross-contamination that he had? Um, they had accidentally um, given him dairy somehow. And I don't exactly remember what it was. And I like keep notes on all of this stuff, but he had, um, and we were really careful. And his teachers, we, we've had one teacher that was difficult several years ago. This teacher was not difficult. It was a mistake, you know, and I've made mistakes. I've caused him myself to go into anaphylaxis. It's a mistake. We are human. And that's one of the, you know, things I like to point out to people. Mistakes happen. It's how you respond to them that matters. So did you have the knowledge already in the allergy or did you gain that knowledge and learn about it as you, as he was grown? I gained the knowledge. So at this point I knew, you know, sort of how to talk to the school a little bit, you know, so being a food allergy mom, mm-hmm. but this was sort of a turning point. This me walking out the door with the colleague telling me it's a mom vacation and 
you know, arriving at the hospital, knowing my son had been in an ambulance with a teacher he didn't really know was just soul crushing. Mm -hmm. So I left corporate America. I said to my husband, can't do it anymore. I just can't. And he was so thrilled because he knew I was miserable. And as the old saying goes, when mom's not happy, no one's happy. Yeah. Um, That was really good that uh, you were able to actually do that and say no more. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate and privileged that I have a husband who can support us and that, you know, was supportive of my goal of fixing this. And that was truly my goal. It's like, this cannot be. I looked for a psychologist. I looked for a doctor. I looked for a life coach, for a, a guru, a healer. I mean, I looked mm-hmm. for someone who could say, this is how you manage all of this. I hear you. I hear the stress you're under. I see the anxiety you're living with. Let me help you manage this. Here's how you do it. Here are the, the things you need to write down. Here's how you talk to his school. Here's how you explain this to your family and your friends and your employer so they're flexible. And because I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I, I appreciate people who are stay-at-home moms. My own mother was a great stay-at-home mother, but it's just not in my personality. And I couldn't do it. So because my next logical thing when I couldn't find someone to help me was to become the expert that was lacking. So I went back to graduate school and I became the expert. I got my master's in psychology, focusing on families with chronic illness and understanding the trauma that goes into being the parent, the trauma that goes into living with a disease that can kill you because you get a microscopic amount of a food. You can't stop eating. If someone washes something wrong or cooks it wrong, you can stop breathing. There's no cure. There are some experimental treatments that work great for some people, don't, don't work so great for others. They are, some are FDA approved, some aren't. But at the end of the day, at the moment, there's no cure. There's no 100% treatment. There's not a pill you can take. You have to live every single day, every time you take a bite, knowing that if you do it wrong, you eat the wrong thing, you're going to stop breathing. I've seen my son's heart stop beating. His brother, when he was four years old, watched an EMT give him um, the paddles, have CPR in the middle of an airport. It's traumatizing to my children, to myself, to my husband, to our, you know, my, grand- my parents, grandparents, our community. And there was no one there who could be like, this is how you do it. So I was like, all right, we're going to fix this problem. And so that's what I do. I fixed it. I, like I said, I got my master's. And then I also, while I was doing that, I worked for food allergy research and education, which is an advocacy group, a leading advocacy group. And I learned all about the education part. And then about a year and a half ago, I left there and started my own company to really work one-on-one with the schools and really change how they implement policy and change their policy. And then also work one-on-one or in group coaching sessions to help parents because I really don't want people living the way I was living. It's, mm-hmm. it's so stressful. It's not good for you. It's not good for your children. Um, and it probably I, felt like you were so alone. Like there was nobody else who, who else is dealing with this? You know, I mean, kids have allergies, but to that degree is probably, I mean, I'm sure there's more out there than I know of, but yeah. wow. You know, to feel like, what do I do? Where do I go from here? So kudos to you for, you know, going out and finding the information 
and the groups and the support that you needed to be able to support you through this. I think, I think that's awesome. And now what you're doing, my goodness, you're going to all these schools, you're making changes nationwide. Mm-hmm. These schools. So how did you go from being this mom that was doing that to then going into the schools? Was that your corporate side of you that just said, okay, we're going to take this shift or? Yeah. So part of it is a little bit of determination. You know, as a parent, I saw how hard it was to get the schools to listen. So coming from, I also, uh, like I said, I used to work in corporate marketing. Um, So I was like, you know, this has to get done. Um, And there's some amazing nonprofits and allergies together, Red Sneakers for Oakley. Um, Fact they all do a great job of educating, but the fact is that they have to do it on sort of a generic scale um, because they can't go in. But I wanted to go in. I want to go in and sit down with the administrators, sit down with the parents and say, here's how you do it. And if it takes me going school district to school district, um, you know, person by person, which is, you know, of course, not effective, but that's why I have courses and and, you know, different options for different people to really broaden the message. But I wanted to be able to have the opportunity that I wouldn't have working for a larger organization. I wanted to be able to do what I wanted, you know, by following also the CDC has some amazing guidelines that are out there for food allergy policy. But at this point, they're just guidelines. Um, so I'm not able to, you know, schools can't say, oh, well, we follow these guidelines because they're guidelines. They're not laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also working with another nonprofit that I'll be able to announce soon. So if people keep watching my Instagram and, you know, my page that will talk about some federal legislation that we're working on to hopefully bring some of this stuff forward. So by starting my own company and working for myself, I could really bring what I was passionate to directly out to people. So I just want to clarify. So as you're working in these schools and he has these allergies that are super sensitive, Mm -hmm. um, how do you get the schools to cater to that, that, you know, where he can't have certain things and you can't have that cross-contamination? Were you having to actually take food of his own or how did that work? Oh, that's, you know, funny. So people always say, oh, he's so sensitive. So the interesting thing about food allergies is there's no such thing as a severe allergy or a sensitive allergy. If you have what's called an IgE mediated or what's layman terms, anaphylactic allergy, mm-hmm. you have an allergy. Yeah. So sometimes you might be so like have a reaction that's really severe. Like I told you about my son's heart stopped in an airport. The next time you might have a bad rush. You might vomit and just not really feel great, um, but you won't ever stop breathing. The time after that, your throat might close. A lot of it depends on compounding factors. Yeah. It might be how much you ate, how, um, how well you slept. If you've had a cold recently, um, for children and adults who are older or not children, adults who are older, if they've um, had alcohol to eat or drink, if they have been eating food that maybe they're not allergic to, but they don't really agree with. Other compounding lifestyle factors like, did you just run or exercise for long periods of time? If your immune system is otherwise weakened, your reactions can differ. So one reaction does not predict the next. Um, So personally, me working with the schools is I go in, um, he has a 504 plan, he, um, which is a federal statute with the American with Disabilities Act because a food allergy is considered a disability under federal legislation. And we really 
write out like this is how he food will be introduced in the classroom. This is what he can and cannot eat. Here is how you recognize an anaphylactic. Everyone who comes in contact with him. And as he gets older, these are going to change. You know, he's going into fifth grade. God willing, we'll have fifth grade. (laughs) Turns out I'm not that great of a teacher, at least according to my children. Boring. You know, I'll meet with the teachers. I will train them on how to use his auto injectors. He knows how to use them. The nurse knows how to use them. They'll get trained by the school nurse. Every school nurse in the United States does this. But because I'm me, I go behind and make sure it's done. But this is what food allergy parents do. I am not original in this. I'm original that I'm an expert in writing a 504 plan. So my son has that benefit in his pocket. Um, And, you know, my clients get to hire me to help them with their 504 plans. But not everyone has... Four plan just for the listeners. So the 504 plan is a plan that you write out with the school. There's no template for it that says, and it's for any child with any disability. So if you have an issue with eating, breathing, talking, walking, seeing, hearing, any disability as recognized by the American with Disabilities Act, you're eligible to be reviewed for a 504 plan. And that what that plan really states out is what accommodations do you have so that you can learn equally to all the other children in the classroom? I love that. I, I just love your message. And, you know, sometimes we have trials like this that happen, but if we can use those to create massive change and, and really grow from it, and that's what it sounds like you've done. And I absolutely love that. And what a beautiful story of a mom that was determined to make a difference and determined to have these beautiful babies and, and, you know, have them be raised in a normal environment and not have to be restricted from that. So I, I just love your message. And so if somebody was to want to know more about what you offer and uh, get some more information, how could they get a hold of you? So they can go on my website. You can always request a free sort of discovery call appointment. And there's a button at uh, foodallergyinstitute.com and you just click a button and say request an appointment. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Food Allergy Institute. Uh, and you can always direct message me. Someone will always get back to you. We love just having conversations. Um, you know, one thing I really like to talk to parents about, caregivers, teachers, because even teachers really have to think about how they manage it. I like teachers to be seen as partners. I like administrators to be seen as partners, our doctors to be seen as partners. We're all part of one tribe because no one's goal, no one wakes up, or at least hopefully, no one wakes up and says, gee, I really want to cause this kid to have an allergic reaction. I really want to add stress and anxiety to this kid's day because we know one third of all children with food allergies gets bullied on an almost daily basis. So. Those bullies can also cause a food allergy reaction. So we know that by training the schools to recognize and make their policies inclusive of not just food allergy kids, but all kids and really teach kindness and inclusive of every child, regardless of whatever their issue or their thing or their skin color or their learning difference, that it really makes a difference in how our children grow up. So I really try and preach that kindness and inclusion matters every day, all day. I love that. 
Leah, your story is just amazing. And I just really appreciate you coming on today, sharing your story. I usually asked my guests to share one thing that made the biggest difference for you so that it, if there is a mom out there that is listening to this and they have a child that has some allergies, what would what would you what would you say was the one thing that made the biggest difference in helping you through this process? So having a tribe. So I, like I said, I was really fortunate to have some amazing friends that really stood up and supported us. I have an amazing husband who has always been there. And I realized not everyone has that. They don't have a husband who's by them for, you know, 20 some years. Um, they don't necessarily have that friend group that's like, oh so-and-so can do this. So you have to develop it. So develop your tribe, really look around, look at who you interact with on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, monthly basis, and think about how you talk to them about your child and allergies. And who do you share your struggles with? Share them, ask for help, ask for very specific help. One of the things a lot of women do is say, I'm fine. Mm. Oh, I know I'm good. Or, or people will say, what can I do to help? And they're like, nothing. So if you're offering help, be very specific. Say, can I come do your laundry? I don't know about your house, but my house is constantly doing laundry. I have no idea why, but it's a constant thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's two kids, we, you know, we're in quarantine. You think it would be, but no, constantly, you know, if you're trying to help someone with childcare, say, I would really like to help you with childcare. I would love to carefully know how to take care of your child so they can be included in our activities because parents of food allergic children are very isolated and extraordinarily lonely. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and you know someone with a child with a food allergy, reach out, include them in those mom nights away. It doesn't have to be with their kids. <laughs> you know, if you're going out, having a book club, have, having drinks and whatever it is you do as a group, invite them. I beg you to invite them. When it is with the kids, invite them and say, how can I make your child safe and feel inclusive? Um, and if you're not getting invited, invite yourself. Say, hey, I'd love to come. I'll bring the food. Or this is what I'm going to do to keep, you know, Jen safe. And don't worry about it. So, you know, build that tribe. It's really, really important. Beautiful way. I loved all the different ways that you can build your tribe. So thank you. Thank you, Leah, for sharing all of that. And we will have the links for her in our show notes. And I believe you also had a freebie that you were going to give away. I do. Um, I will send a link and it's my book, which talks a lot about self-care and sort of my story and really the details of what I did uh, to change my life from totally burnt out and stressed. So it's called Chaos to Calm, How to Thrive When Your Child Has a Chronic Illness. And I really give you some very specific tips in that. But if you send me a direct message, I will get, send you this book. Okay. All right. So, and you'll give me a link for that so they can give you a message and we'll be able to get everybody those books if you want it. Um, again, thank you. Thank you for being a part of our show today. And thank you all for listening. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now, and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show... 
Thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow.